0: it to first, the Rams are world champions! The Rams were built to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks
1: are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are
0: back-to-back Stanley Cup champions! Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 117. Rashad, this one's for you, the Yannick Hanfemenen episode of For Future Considerations. The what? Uh, Yannick Hanfemenen? He is the 117th ranked men's tennis player in the ATP right now. <laughs> have you even heard of this guy, Rashad? <laughs> no, I haven't. Down four spots, too, by the way. <laughs> to, to settle at 117. So... <laughs> Our guest having more success at his sport than Yannick is, but welcome to for future considerations for the OT episode. As we head into the Easter weekend, it is always a good Friday when my friends John and Manny and myself get together, right, boys? Absolutely fantastic happy easter boys
1: yeah happy easter hey do you guys do what i do on the day after easter do you go to walmart and clear out whatever's left at half price
0: yeah i'm i'm not a crazy chocolate guy at any point unless you're gonna mix in like a reese's peanut butter cup or something like that but you know what i'll tell you hot take to get things started right away those little egg the chocolate eggs with the different pattern the colored uh, wrapping that you can get yeah. at the dollar store for two bucks that's the best chocolate on the planet there is <laughs> that is the best little chocolates I, I could eat about the whole sack of those things and they're <laughs> like a dollar 25 or two dollars or if you go to dollarama they're 17 dollars. they are so good i have been through a uh, uh, probably eight or nine of those leading up to this so this weekend is going to be one last haul to make sure i can get through to next easter well that's what you do at walmart or wherever you go after easter
2: because they're 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 priced down even more they're giving the stuff away chocolate See, I'm not a big chocolate guy, too. I didn't know that about you, Matt. I don't eat a lot
0: of chocolate. I No. Like, I, I don't mind chocolate. You know, I like chocolate bars. I like, like I said, Reese's Peanut no. Butter Cups. I like M&M's and the, the peanut M&M's and all that stuff. But, like, if, if you're making me choose on my, my evening snack, uh, it will be very rare that I would select anything other than two entire bags of chips. Yeah, totally. John, are you a chocolate guy?
1: Yeah, actually, I, I you know, what's funny. My wife tells me, she goes, everyone I've ever met in my life is either like a sweet person or a salty person or savory or whatever. She's like, you like everything. And I'm like, it's true. Like mm-hmm. I will eat chocolate. Mm-hmm. I will eat jujubes. I will have chips. I will have popcorn, It ice cream, cake. I don't care. Pie. I'll eat it all. The thing is, <laughs> he puts it all in one bowl. Yeah. He eats it all in one sitting. He, he grounds it
0: up and, and walks around and like he's like he's made some sort of a slushie for himself. It, oh, there's, there, there's kale and spinach and uh, oh, yeah. raspberries and stuff. Oh, no, no, this has got, uh, let's see your stuffed crust pizza, uh, a couple of Sour Patch Kids, uh, some barbecued lace. Seriously. I, when John and I lived together, he would
2: have a salad with M&Ms in it. He would just put M&M's in the salad.
3: And after the salad,
2: we would have pizza. But then he'd crunch Doritos on the pizza. Right? And then then we'd have pie afterwards, and he'd put those colored sprinkles on the pie.
0: Like, talk about a sweet tooth. Every meal. The only guy I've ever seen that plays Russian roulette with snacks and just empties the cartridge right away. seriously he barbecued <laughs>
2: once for me he barbecued once there were steaks great steaks like good thick steaks and he was putting salt and vinegar chips on them on the barbecue <laughs> like this guy <laughs> Speaking of Death Leopard songs from their last episode, he's
0: an animal. He is, he is an animal. he is an animal. He is an animal. This guy. Uh, it, at least he barbecued steaks for you. The one time he just warmed up an O Henry bar in a bowl and <laughs> put a bunch of skittles on top and called it
1: dessert. <laughs> and he gave you a fork and a knife to eat it with afterwards yeah. too, didn't you? <laughs> Well, i got to be a little bit civilized. Come on. Oh, my gosh. A big thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode
2: this week. Uh, i got to give Lawrence credit who said, how can you guys not put in animal from Def Leppard? Yep. If If you want to know what we're talking about, go back and have uh, a listen. Apparently our takes, which were some good
1: ones, a little too
2: hot for some people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: E letter, everyone agrees with me that you guys have a little too much to drink during some of these episodes. <laughs> we heard from plenty of people who had their own takes on our debate show this week as well.
0: He's the only guy I've ever seen that puts Swedish fish in a beef and cheddar.
1: <laughs> and that's why I'll be dead by ex- episode 150. I've seen it happen. Side that.
2: <laughs> he's the only guy who we've been through a drive through with where they had to close the drive through afterwards because <laughs> he took all the beef and
0: cheddars <laughs> that were available. Everybody goes to Target, and everybody goes to Meyer and all these other places on like Black Friday. Rashad's first stop is the bulk barn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this guy literally closed down the buffet at Pizza Eye in Owen South. <laughs> That's no joke. That's, that's the only real thing we've said. He literally did that.
1: I'll never forget that. You guys are like, how many slices is that, John? And I'm like, hmm, I'm like, okay, how many plates are here? And I'm like, okay, this many pieces per plate. I'm like, oh, it's somewhere between 19 and 21 slices of pizza.
0: The thing is, too, the waitress hadn't even brought the waters around yet. <laughs> it's sad when they don't take the
2: dishes back to do them anymore they just do it right at that table because there were so many and they were sick and tired of walking all the dishes back the only
0: guy who was getting too tired to stand up and walk over is to the table or to the counter so he pulled over a stool and just sat there drooling over the hot plates to cut down on transportation costs <laughs> if you've got a hot take share it with us as well Podcast <laughs> FFC on Twitter and Instagram for future considerations on Facebook go back like we said listen to episode 116 share your thoughts and comments we debate basketball we debate baseball hockey we get into some Def Leopard stuff we we covered pretty much everything anybody's talking about so yeah, that's your one-stop shop go ahead episode 116 and then enjoy episode 117 right now
1: that's right we're back this week with the OT last week we took a break because Matt and Manny were doing their best to get deported from Detroit back to Canada so it's our <laughs> se- second episode of the week and we normally we have a guest on the show and that is the case this week
2: This guy is playing in his final season in the Ontario Hockey League, leading the Windsor Spitfires into the postseason. After starting the year in training camp with the Anaheim Ducks and the San Diego Gulls, he has helped the Spitfires land the top seed in the OHL Western Conference, having won 13 straight games. He is also tied for the league lead with points by a defenseman with 65 he also ranks in the top 25 all-time among Windsor Spitfire's players at any position for games played and career assists. Please welcome to, for future considerations, Luca Henault. Luca, welcome
3: to the podcast. Thank you. That was a good intro. <clears throat> Thank you.
2: Uh-huh. I try to pump your tires, trying to pump yeah. your tires, but you deserve it. Well, a heck of a year. heck of a year. Thank you. Hey, let me ask you this. How does a kid from Quebec, born in Montreal, Quebec, play, end up playing hockey in Ontario? Let's start there.
3: Yeah, that's a, a long story. I, um, I played my Adam years in, uh, in Montreal. <clears throat> and then uh, through family friends, there was, a, there was a coach that coached the uh, Ajax Pickering Raiders in the OMHA. And um, my dad was just kind of like, hey, like, you want to try it out? And obviously, I, I didn't want to. I was like, no, I want to stay with my friends in Montreal. And he was like, no, you know what? We're going to try it out for a year, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And we ended up loving it. So I played the rest of my minor hockey in, uh, in Ontario. And then, what was it, six, six seven years later, drafted to the Windsor Spitfires, and been year for the last five.
2: So the parents pushed you a little bit. You played with the Marlies, played with the Don Mills Flyers. Were you always a defenseman, too?
3: Yeah, always a defenseman. This actually, the, the way I became a defenseman was, uh, in, uh I guess, what the, the level before novice in Montreal is called MAG. And um, before our first game, our coach asked, like, who wants to be a defenseman? And there's four guys that raised their hand, right? We need five, obviously. And one of those four guys was, like, this guy that I really looked up to and I consider one of my closest friends back then. And after, like, a 30-second pause where no one raised their hand, I was like, yeah, sure. Like I'll go deep, and that entire year I like regretted it. I was like, "Damn it! Like I should have went for Like I want to. Like I was like six or seven, right? So I was like, I want to score goals. You know, this sucks. Just hang back." But looking back at it, it was a good decision, and I, uh, I definitely don't regret it anymore.
2: Yeah, you're still scoring goals. You're still putting up points. Um, a fifth round pick of the Windsor Spitfires in 2017. Let me take you back. Then, what did you know about Windsor or the Spitfires at the time?
3: Uh, honestly, I, I didn't know much until I came on my first visit, right? And I went with, uh, back then it was Warren Reichel. He was the GM and he kind of brought me to the WIFCU, went to La Rucula, the La the restaurant, and kind of learned about the whole history of the Spitz. And, um, honestly, going to the draft, I had a pretty good feeling that I was going to end up in Windsor, but obviously it's OHL draft. You never know what happens, right? Uh, but thankfully enough, uh, when the 96 pick came around, my name popped up, and uh, yeah.
2: Now, what do you think about
3: it? Oh, it's awesome! Windsor's an amazing city. I made, I've met so many people. I mean, at the high school, uh, through the billets, through through hockey. There's just so many great people here, and honestly, it's a it's a city that that I love, and that you know, obviously, I didn't know before I, I got here, but that will forever be uh, with me. Uh, throughout the rest of my life
2: I think the city loves you back too like the fans they just that'd be nice (laughs) they just ate you up they just eat you up man Um, before we talk about this year's team though let's go back a bit because there was no OHL at the start of the pandemic and you actually spent some time playing in Finland first how did uh, the pandemic impact you as a player and how did you make the decision to go to Finland?
3: Um, obviously, it was frustrating, especially with um, kind of like uh, you know, it was, there was always hope that the season would happen. Um, so the first, the first couple months after the the season was was uh, shut down it was rough. You know, there was a lot of training, and you know, I think was it maybe five months of training, and that's just not something that players are used to right in the off season. So that part was frustrating, and then. Once we got around to uh, September, October, I kind of, I let my agent. I was like, hey, like, I kind of want to play hockey right now. I don't know what's going on with the OHL. I don't know if they'll be able to figure it out. So if there's any way you can get me anywhere. And um, he called me back maybe the next week and he was like, you know what? There's an opportunity in Finland. You're going to start in the U20, which is a level a little bit lower. But he was like, hey, like, this is hockey for you. And, you know, if you make a good enough impact, you can move up the ranks. And, you know, it's, see how it goes down there. And uh, so that's what I did. I, I moved in with uh, my agent's partner who lives in, in uh, Finland, who's uh, Juha Ulun and he actually played with uh, Lutz back in, uh should, oh. what team. wow. Yeah. So yeah, he told me about him. I was like, because I was telling him one night about my, my old coach, he was like, oh, Trevor, yeah, I know him. I played with him. So that was kind of cool. Small world there. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I got there. I played the five games with the U20 team. And, um, after that, that season got shot down too. So at that point I was like, wow, like this is just, I am getting no luck. And then, so I kept practicing for a bit and I started practicing with the Mestis team, which is the second league in, in Finland. And, um, after that third season was like, maybe it'll go, maybe it won't. And after a good like month and a half of practicing, it started going. I was like, thank God. And, uh, yeah, I just kept playing with them. And it's, uh, it's definitely a different style of hockey with the bigger ice and stuff. And, it was uh, it was like men's hockey, right? Because you have these guys up on there on the mestis team who are older, and you know they some of them their job is just hitting, right? And you kind of feel that you know everybody finishes their check. Um, but I think it was a great learning experience, and just also learning about the culture down there. And I was lucky enough to have uh, to meet in the U20 team to meet some some people that spoke very good English and kind of introduced me to their friends, and I made a lot of friends down there. And you know, it's it's something that I do not regret at all, and I I'm very I feel very grateful that I got the chance to play overseas for for a couple months.
2: How's your Finnish? Do you know Finnish? Oh,
3: <laughs> I know I know a little bit. Um, I know some bad words, but I, at one point I was convinced I could learn Finnish. <laughs> uh, but it's hard. it's so hard. Like I realized after, I was like, they don't they don't even look the same at all. Like it's I, and then I looked it up, I was like. I was wondering, like, how hard it is. And it's like top ten hardest languages to learn in the world, and I was like, okay, that's not happening. That's it's not my wheelhouse right there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, did you like playing on the larger ice surface?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's um, I would say it's it, like any other thing. It's got its its uh, its positives and negatives, right? It's got its its uh, advantages and disadvantages. I'd say like on like defending, that's a lot harder, obviously, right? But then once you get the puck, it's a lot more fun, right? Clearly, because you got more room. So, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I have a preference, but uh, you kind of learn to play the game a different way, right? More passive D zone over there and kind of protect the net front more. Meanwhile, over in, in the North American ice, you can be more aggressive in the corners and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it definitely taught me a, a new way to uh, defend.
2: We've heard some pretty crazy stories from guys we've had on the podcast who have played in Europe uh, about their experiences, whether it be playing against men or the fans being over the top crazy. Do you have any stories about the experience in Finland about the fans or uh, what was your, what was your, Oh my God, I know I'm in another country moment.
3: Uh, it actually, it was off the ice. It wasn't, it wasn't related to the rank at all. Uh, Cause there was no fans, right? There were, Back then, it was the pandemic, so no fans. But they're huge down there with um, saunas, right? And that's not, like, a big thing of mine. And, like, they'll have, like, public saunas you just go to. And so I went with, uh, you know, a couple of my buddies that I I told you earlier that I met down there. And they're like, yeah, like, come. It'll be a lot of fun. And we'll jump in the ocean. And I'm terrible at cold baths. And I was, like, I was like laughing it off. I was like, yeah, the ocean. Yeah, no way. No, I'm not that good. The ocean's no way. So, I get down there, and I'm in my bathing suit and everything, and then I just go in there, and it, first of all, everyone's like, no clothes, you know, there's there's no shame down there, everyone's just, so that caught me off guard at first, right, and um, wow. so I'm down in sauna, yeah, yeah, just down there, and um yeah, so I'm in the sauna for about 30 seconds and I'm dying, right? I have, I have like my it's burning my chest and these people are just like, they're drinking the water and just talking. I'm in the corner like hyperventilating. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I'm like, that's all I got to get out of here. And they're like, all right, but you have to go jump in the ocean after you do it. And I was like, what? Are you serious? They're like, yeah, that's what you do. So we all go in the ocean. I'm the last one to get in and everyone just like walks into the ocean as if it was a hot tub. It's like there's steps down and just like, and they like, they feel good. They're like, oh, this feels good. And I was like, okay, like, can't be that cold. Like, look at these guys doing it. And as soon as I, like, because I'm more of a jumper. I don't, I don't walk down the steps when it's cold. I'm a jumper. As soon as I jump, my whole body just, like, tenses up. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, I can't do this. Like, I'm, like, moving. I had to, like, get, them to get me out of the water. I was like, guys, I can't move. I'm, I'm stuck. So they just they carried me out. And then after that, I did, I did get used to the saunas. But uh, that was, like, the first thing. I was like, wow, this is – I would never do this in, in Canada. And then uh, I told a bunch of people too. Like the it's honestly having a sauna in your house is like having a bathtub. Like it's it's that common. Everyone has them. They're very popular down there. But yeah, that was the whole the whole thing. Wow.
2: So are you a converted sauna guy now?
3: I like them. I like them. I wouldn't say that I'm like oh like I gotta have a sauna. But the one that we did have at the at the place where I stayed down there in the house. Whenever I would do I would go in there and then just go outside. I wouldn't go into cold water. I would just go outside. And it was during winter, so it was kind of cold. But I would sleep like a baby afterwards. So it was, I would wow. say, you know, it definitely grew on to me.
2: son is good. Jumping in the ocean afterwards, bad. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, exactly.
2: And let's take you to the start of this season. You were invited to Anaheim Ducks Camp. You made the main camp. And then got to spend some time with the San Diego Gulls in the AHL. How was that experience?
3: That was crazy. I obviously when I when I went to my first uh, dev camp that was uh, Columbus uh, the season before the pandemic, and I stayed there for I don't know seven seven eight days, right? So I obviously I didn't expect to be there for six weeks, right? I, I was. So, anyways, I just I kind of showed up there and. You know, it was uh it was basically the San Diego team at first, right? Like everyone knew each other, so I kinda of felt like, Oh shoot, like it's gonna be awkward, you know, i gonna have to make friends. And um yeah, I just kind of uh we got to practicing and you know how it is with hockey, right? You get to practising and you make friends, right? And then afterwards we'd start to go like to the beaches and stuff, which are beautiful down there, right? And um after that, you know, we'd go to rookie tournament and then right away as soon as I get to main camp like I'm skating with all these like NHL players I'm like because it's my first time right and I'm like wow I just toss you right in there there's it was, there's it was just so much fun you know like everyone's kind of kind of uh welcoming and make you feel like like you know you're you're meant to be there and um yeah for on the hockey side like the the learning I got there was just I, I loved it right because I think the biggest thing for me that I learned down there was when you're in the OHL, you know, you can get away with stick on puck and poking the puck away and then, you know, stick lift and get out of you know, some low finesse plays in the D zone. But as soon as you get down there, if you you can go stick on puck, but if you don't go body afterwards, like, you're, there's no way you're getting that puck, right? And it's that, I was taught that, like, the first couple of weeks, it was like, yeah, okay, I need to start doing that. And um, Joel Bouchard, who um, was the San Diego coach, I worked with him a lot. And Dan Jacobs, the D coach, and, you know, I, I think they helped me out so much and, and taught me a lot for, for this season in the OHL and for, you know, for the coming years. So I think that, you know, even though I, I didn't end up staying for the season, that six weeks there was, was immensely good for me. Joel
2: Bouchard, a good Montreal connection. For Luca Henault, our guest, uh, born in Montreal, Quebec. What, um, what was your holy crap, I'm in the NHL moment type thing in, in the main camp? Uh, like, you probably had your way with Zegras, right? Like, he couldn't do anything with you.
3: Well, yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was good. He was good. You know, you can tell as soon as he steps on the ice, like, just the. It's not even – you don't even have to get into the drills. You know, when you're just skating around, and you just move around with the pucks. And um, obviously got a close look at, at Drysdale too and saw him in the OHL, but he's obviously he, – he just. They both move so well, and you know they're they're at the stage draft for a reason, and they they made it pretty obvious during those six weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it would be the first the first scrimmage, right? Because the up until like the we had the the dev camp, we had the rookie camp, and then the main camp, right? So when we got to the main camp, that's when you know right off the first day it was a scrimmage, and that was with like all that NHL players, right? And that's when you know it's. When I'm I'm backing up one on one and Ryan laugh coming at me and I'm like, whoa, like, you sure? Like, is this right? Is he really? Is he really coming down on me? So I think that that was the one where just the scrimmage and because up until then I hadn't seen them right. It was just like the the guys that were like on the fringe, you know. And and so that day it was just like, okay, yeah, this is uh, this is it. This is it, you know.
2: California living's pretty good too, right? So
3: Yeah, no, it's sweet. It's sweet. The sun always out, shorts, t shirts. It's
2: awesome. You don't need any you don't need any saunas in California, right? So Well <laughs> obviously not. Obviously not. You return to Windsor, lead the Spitfires. First let me ask you, um, what was the biggest thing then that you learned from the experience both in finland and in Anaheim, was it just being more physical in your own end um what did you, what was the biggest thing that you think helped prepare you for the ohl this season
3: yeah i think um you know like i mentioned earlier being physical but i think that's kind of you know it's just a small aspect of the game but my game as a whole i would say just keeping everything super simple um I find you know even with uh, Savvy this year you know we, we talk about that a lot because um, you know when I first got back with Windsor we we talked about it I was trying to make I was trying to do a little too much and you know I felt like I I maybe had to because I was an older player in the league and he said and we looked at clips me Savvy Delhi we all looked at clips and see when you keep it simple this is what happens and you know it was the same thing when I played those uh, preseason games in San Diego whenever I tried to to. um Fancy it up or tried to make an extra move. That's when it would come back in my end. So I think the whole the whole experience kind of don't you know what aim for that mistakeless game, not the fancy one, just mistakeless, and you know keep it super simple. When you have an opportunity, you know obviously go for it, but you know don't don't try to force something that isn't there.
2: Now you're getting set to finish the regular season as the top seed in the Western Conference. How would you describe this year?
3: Definitely, lots of ups and downs. I mean, you look at the beginning of the season when I, you know, the those those first rankings, the CHL top ten preseason rankings, they came out while I was in Anaheim, and we were ranked like we're ranked high, like like sixth or seventh or something like that. And you're just looking at the team, and you know, with uh, Johnston, Cooley, Zito, uh, we got some big names on the team, right? So we're like. Hey, like, we're going to make some noise and we should, right out of the bat, you know, come out and be a top team. And that didn't happen, right? We we kind of, you know, we were sitting at 500 for the better part of the first couple months. And looking back at it, I think that that was the best thing that could have happened to us because, um, you know, we faced that adversity early on and, and we kind of figured it out as a team. And now, you know, we, I believe, we chose the best time to peak, right? Right, right at going into the playoffs. So, um, I think that, you know, every team that that ends up making it to the championship has to face adversity at some point and I think we might face some more, I think we have, but if we do face some more, you know, we we know how to handle it and uh, I'm crazy confident uh, about this group going into the playoffs.
2: As you should be, you guys have won 13 games in a row. That's pretty remarkable. Like, do you think the team realizes how much of an accomplishment that is? I know you're not satisfied, but...
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it kind of feels like, um, you know, it's just another day, right? I, I don't want to, like, take any meaning away from it because we know it's on our minds, but we also know that, you know, if we just focus on that, like, that's not going to happen, right? We're just going to get off our games because, you know, we're not going to play our game. And, you know, there's kind of like that vibe when we walk into the locker room where we're like, even if we're down a goal, right, if, even if we get scored on, there's just that vibe like, guys, like, we're fine, you know, we're, we're going to come back from this, we're going to win this game. And... It's not it's not cockiness it's just like we're confident in ourselves right we're confident in our abilities and you know we're confident in every single guy in the locker room and I think that's 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 powerful for a team to have that kind of mindset going into every period every shift every game
2: That's great. What about yourself personally? Like we talked about your are you tied for the league lead in scoring by a defenseman? Was that a co- accomplishment of yours or a goal of yours that you wanted to set out this year?
3: Definitely wasn't a goal. Um I mean, I consider myself a two-way, and, and points are obviously nice. Um, I mean, I, I have to give credit to uh, the, what is it, 123-point getter. You know, he's got to be a few easy ones. Um, but, uh no it, it wasn't a goal of mine. You know, I, I try to produce offense the way that I can, but also take care of the D zone. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, a nice little side bonus that I get to be uh, battling for, for the top spot for the defenseman.
2: Tell me, you're texting back and forth with your former teammate Nathan Steos about the race.
3: No, no, we're not. We we we'll... <laughs> have you guys talked? No. <laughs> no. really. I it's been a while since I've talked to him, but no, we haven't. Uh, we haven't reached out about the race. But uh, I'm sure if uh, you know whoever ends up winning, you know if he if he ends up taking, it, I'll show him a text and uh, congratulate him.
2: Can you believe your OHL career is almost over?
3: Oh, it's crazy. It's. This is so cliche because everyone says this, but yeah, I just feel like freaking yesterday I was popping into the WIFCU with uh, my hockey bag and my mom was crying at the doors. And uh, no, it's it's been it's been crazy amazing. You know, I obviously it sucks that that one year was taken away from us, but uh, I mean, Windsor's been so kind to me, and you know, I leave uh, I leave Windsor with nothing but good memories, and hopefully one more good one with uh, with the Mem Cup ring.
2: Yeah, that'd be great, right? And the fans certainly love you and wish you the best. Let me let me ask you about this. Who who is the most serious guy in the room right now? If you think about your teammates, who's the most serious guy in the room?
3: Most serious guy. Um I would say I don't hear I don't hear uh Mayo or Mallet sorry Mayo's his nickname I don't hear Mallet talk a lot before games <laughs> and uh, him him and Cool sit beside each other and obviously Cool's you can kind of see him as uh, a bit of a captain serious at times so I would say these two are, are pretty in the zone when uh, when game time comes.
2: Captain serious, I like that. Who's the
3: biggest clown? <laughs> it has gotta be 100% my D partner, Rennie. 100% he just loves people before the game I mean honestly I I consider myself someone who kind of you know likes to you know I have fun but once you know we're within the hour before the game I I focus and you know I try not to get involved in too many conversations and even sometimes I'll overhear some of his jokes and he'll make me chuckle a little bit
2: (laughs) that's great do you have a favorite NHL team is it the Montreal Canadiens because you grew
3: up in Montreal you would think so, but uh, I don't. I, if I had to pick one, it would be the Leafs. Um, just 'cause uh, you know they're so fun to watch, right? But it's not like I'm a I'm a diehard fan, right? And honestly, one of the things that fuel my my uh, my Leafs uh, cheering or whatever is uh, the fact that my whole family loves the Montreal, right? I just love being that one guy. You know, in the playoffs last year, that was awful for me, and I was like. I was like, this is this is going to be so good. You know, Montreal, Toronto first round. There's no way Montreal wins. So I'm like, shirt for my whole family. I'm like, you guys are going to get... And then we all know what happened. I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop hearing it for the next two weeks. And then they went on to freaking the finals. I was like, there's, there's, no, way, there's no way it's happening.
2: <laughs> Worst possible scenario. Do, oh, yeah. Is there an NHL guy that you model your game afterwards? Or is there a guy that you're a huge fan of?
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly ever since I've gone to Windsor you know you obviously get to know more about the players that that played there and Ryan Ellis is just an unbelievable player right he kind of plays that that game I was talking about where it's it's two way and it's you know mistake free and and you try to you know every shift you know you reset and you you have that perfect shift that you're looking for and um you no know, yeah since since the last 5 years like this he's kind of been the guy that's like all right like this is this is how I want to play my game and this if I want to make it to the next level I have to I have to do what he does, or try to at least, because it's—he does some pretty amazing things.
2: He does. Have you met him yet?
3: No, I haven't met him.
2: Oh, we got to make that happen. Got to make that be. happen.
3: That'd be awesome.
2: A little birdie told me you're a huge UFC guy. Is that right?
3: Who said that? I—I I wouldn't say huge UFC guy. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll watch it. Um, I'll like, I'll have fun watching it. But uh, the two big UFC guys on the team are, are Cools and, and Abraham. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say, I would say, cool. Uh, the one that got me into it. He, he was like, yo, like, it was, I think it was like two years ago, the first day, I was like, what are we doing on Saturday? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, UFC's on. And, uh, yeah. I mean, when he watched it, I watched it with him. But, uh, no, I'm not, I wouldn't say big UFC guy. I enjoy watching it, but not, not huge, you know, keeping everything.
2: Okay. That's good to know. If you're, if you weren't playing hockey, what would you be doing?
3: Oof. If I wasn't playing hockey, that's a tough one. Um, I definitely, I it would have. I I want to do something related to to hockey. Um, obviously there's uh the coaching and, and aspect of that, and I mean that kind of work as a trainer in the summer. But if we're taking hockey completely out of the equation, and you know, I just I never played hockey, never put on a pair of skates, and I had to pick something else. It it'd probably be something along the lines of you know owning my own business or something like that, you know, something where, you know, I have the freedom to, uh, to manage people and, and, uh, have my own schedule.
2: Now that you've gotten a taste of NHL camp and stuff like that, is that what your goal is when your OHL career is over with, you know, what do we think about what's next for Luca Hano?
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, right now at this second, you know, it's, it's not what I'm focused on. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the next, uh, two, two months and a half with the playoffs. But, um, obviously like getting that taste and, and seeing that lifestyle, you know, it's, it's almost, uh, you know, it, it fuels you, right? You get You kind of see how the others are living. You're like, wow, like this is awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was always the goal, right? It was always the goal to play hockey at the lo- highest level I possibly can. And, you know, every day it kind of seems like, you know, that goal is, is more and more reachable and, um, yeah, I mean, it's it hasn't changed. I think, if anything, fueled it more. That uh, that's that's where I want to be, and uh, that's where I want to be down the road.
2: Well, I, I hope you get there. How great would it be to end your junior hockey career as a champion?
3: That would be unbelievable. That would be the the perfect ending. There's no there's no better way to, to end off a, a Noah junior career.
2: What, what do you think about the team's chances?
3: Oh, I like I said earlier. Like I think we have like. I'm really confident in this group. I mean, I'm I'm looking at teams, and there's not one team in, in the West that you know we're 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 afraid of, right? We we feel confident against every team. I mean, obviously, with that being said, nothing nothing comes easier. I'm not saying they're going to be easy series, but I think we we have the group to uh, to push through those series, and then obviously we haven't seen those those Eastern Conference teams, but um they haven't seen us either, right? So uh we'll we'll see um. We'll see when we get there, but uh, I think we, uh, I think we have a uh, really good chances of uh, punching our ticket to St. John's this year. Uh,
2: Luca, uh, I, I appreciate the time, and uh, I know you guys are a, are a confident bunch. Uh, I'm looking forward to the postseason run, but uh, most importantly, uh, I've appreciated running into you at the rink all the time, and thanks for taking time to talk to us. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Our thanks again to Luca Hano, the overage defenseman of the Windsor Spitfires, who is getting ready to wrap up his junior hockey career, but not before he hopefully enjoys a long playoff run.
1: This is the final weekend for the OHL regular season, and then the playoffs are getting underway next week. How excited are you, Rashad? Do you get to still work the video board in the playoffs? Yeah, I do. I'm excited for it. I can't wait. Playoff hockey, it's been a little while now with uh, COVID and all that stuff. So uh, junior hockey is pretty electric during the playoffs. If you have a chance to go to a junior hockey game, OHL in your area, or even um, some other type of junior hockey, um, definitely take advantage of it because the, the building, people are excited. They're ready. They're pumped for playoff hockey. And the, uh, the atmosphere is electric right now in, in the rooms. Can you give
0: us uh, any sort of insight information of, like, what the next graphic, like, playoff graphics are going to look like? Or are you going to be, like, having a new chant or something that uh, you're going to get everybody using? Like, what's going to be – John, what's going to be your technique heading into the playoffs?
1: (laughs) Well – I do like to do the go, attack, go right before the face-off. You don't see it coming. You think it's going to happen, and then boom, finally it does. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, (laughs) mm-hmm. John, they're going to win the first round just for you. (laughs) That's right. He's the
0: only guy that they've ever put the initial patch on the sleeve of the jersey while he's still alive. That's how much he means. You know how at the Penguins game not that long ago, they all wore seven Roethlisberger jerseys to honor Ben Roethlisberger, who had retired as a Steelers quarterback. They're all wearing Rashad 69 jerseys for warm up at <laughs> game one. And they're skating
2: around the rink with a slice of pizza in their hands. <laughs>
0: honor John Machat because it's the only way they know how instead of the, uh, the outdoor sports and the NFL and stuff they put the uh, the black uh, stuff under the eyes these guys put tomato sauce in the corners of their mouths and tributes
2: they want grease on their jerseys <laughs>
1: remember you can follow us on social media for more debate and great content podcast ffc on twitter and instagram and for future considerations on facebook
0: the only guy i know that i've heard joey chestnut say shit he eats a lot of food
1: <laughs>
2: we're gonna enter you in the next contest we've gotta
1: do that have you ever done some sort of eating contest um, I have actually, but, um, friend of the podcast, Kevin McDonald kicked my ass <laughs> is, uh, he had a, he had wow. a technique. Yeah. He used soup as a drink. So that's how he beat me. K-Mac screwed you. That's <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have you been in an eating contest, Matt?
0: Uh, no. Are you kidding me? No. I'm not good on the clock about anything here. That's why that's why rapid fire takes forty five minutes every time. What were you eating in this eating contest? He was using soup.
1: Um, it was uh, it was a bunch of different dishes from different uh, businesses and restaurants around Owen Sound. It was for who was it for? Was it the United Way? I think it was the United Way back in the early 2000s, and then um, yeah, everyone just submitted a dish, and then one of the restaurants submitted a soup, which was really good. But so instead of him drinking water and loading up on water during our eating competition, he used the soup to, to lubricate the throat to get everything else down. So lubricate.
0: Yeah. Oh but, my god, that's but, a <laughs> that's a slight pole. Yeah.
2: <laughs> However. In all these stories that we've had with John eating, it's not like he does it in rapid succession. He takes his time.
1: That's true. That is true. That's. It was hard for me to try and eat that much that fast because, yeah, I do like to pace myself.
2: Yeah, I think over the long haul, John would eat, win an eating contest easily. Yep. If they gave him 24 hours to eat as much food as you can eat. Oh, yeah. He'd still be going and these guys would be passed out we're praying to the porcelain gods six to seven hours in.
0: He's a he's a marathoner. This guy, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, are like is. one of those. Uh, what are the what do they call those guys that the, even the, the Iron Man ones or what's the the next crazy one that like the army guys and astronauts do and all that? That's what you are for for food <laughs> indulgence. In fact, Matt and I
2: are so committed to this idea, we're going to th- see if they can we can have this as an Olympic sport.
1: How much can oh. you
2: eat over the duration of the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You have to try and eat something from every country that's participating. I'm in. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm in. <laughs> this is a million-dollar idea, boys. Well, this is the last episode of for
0: future considerations. We're cashing in right now. We want to thank our
2: sponsors for joining us through 117 episodes, <laughs> London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Tomalovic of Next Level
0: Athletics in Windsor. If somehow this idea does not launch (laughs) in the next four or five days, we will be back next week with episode 118 of For Future Considerations. Don't hold your breath. (laughs) Till then, peace out, everybody.
2: That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw...